0: If you've got your Bibles, open them and we'll get to it. I'm going to go ahead and get you to open to Revelation. (laughs) I wasn't planning on starting this way, but I feel like I need to. Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus is talking to the churches. Let me start a little bit. It gets kind. Of, it's kind of rough. Let me start with eighteen, <laughs> so, so we can get so we can get a little bit of love before we get down to the nitty gritty. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, Right. these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not. She would not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. Now, he's talking about people who agree with her thinking. And all the churches shall know. This is what I want you to hear. So we said all that to say this. I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your works. In the uh, in the school of ministry, we're, we're reading a book called Driven by Eternity. And it is a sober reminder that we are and have been given an assignment by God and a length of time to accomplish that assignment. As a, as a person who claims to be a Christ follower, you've been given an assignment an assignment by God, an exciting assignment that you get to see incredible works being done as long as you are uh, faithful to adhering to the assignment that God has for you. Not only that, what this is saying and what we're reminded of in in the school of ministry is that when you get to heaven, you're also going to be given an eternal assignment. When you get there, based on how well you carried out this assignment on earth, you'll be assigned a new assignment. Now, it's somewhat intimidating, I'll have to admit, because it makes you rethink everything you're doing, including the amount of time you have on this earth and how you use your time. And whether you're actually about God's assignment or you're just busy doing your deal. And then when God assigns you something, he says about you and me that how, you, how your heart looks at the assignment is just as important as how will you accomplish the assignment. Does that make sense? So from that foundation, that's where we're going to start. And I'm going to give you like five things that I'm going to try to get to in the time allotted. I'm going to go ahead and read all five points. Actually, there's six. So that you'll get them whether I finish or not. <laughs> you ready? Number one, when we commit to Jesus and become a Christ follower, we die to ourselves and submit to his plan. Number two, God is building a house. He's called it, he's called it a city of Zion. He's building a house. It's called the church. It's another name for it which you and I are a part if we claim to be a Christ follower. Number three, we will be rewarded based on what our heart is toward the assignment and how well we perform God's assignment here on earth. All assignments, number five, or four, yeah, four, that was three. Number four, all assignments have equal value and reward. Number five, You are matured through your assignments into the nature of God. And number six, in the midst of your assignment, your season can change. God's economy, God's way of thinking. So let's look at it as as we go forward. Number one, when I commit to Jesus and become a Christ follower, The Bible says that to do that, we have to die to ourselves, our own purposes, our own selfish intent, and submit to his plan for us. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, this is from the New Living Translation, it says this. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower You must give up your own way. Say that with me. I must give up my own way. Take up my instrument of death, which is a cross, and follow Jesus. So I've got to give up my way, and I've got to take up a cross, and I've got to follow Jesus. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, there's 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 lost in the crowd and and lost in the communication era. uh, The whole idea of this accountability that we have before God—we've got a a church and an environment in the church that loves to talk about the love of God. You know, because there and it needs to be talked about. Right now, one of the things we focus on, we focus on very intently, is who God is. Who does God say He is? And who does He say you are? Those things are very important, very important. And they all come from a place that says, you've got to understand the love of God. And you also need to understand the mercy of God. But you also, and we would be Remiss, if we didn't teach you that God is also a righteous judge. There's a there's a third aspect of who God is and the character and nature of God that the church doesn't like to talk about, because somehow it doesn't it it comes across negative to our culture. But the truth of the matter is, there are some incredibly powerful benefits of having a righteous judge. If he weren't a righteous judge then we couldn't be assured of what his, what, his um, what He expects of each one of us. But because He's a righteous judge, we can know exactly what He expects from us and then get the job accomplished. Ecclesiastes 3.14 says this, I know that whatever God does, it'll be forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before Him. There's a there's this understanding that when we come to Jesus, we have to give up our lives. We have to come to a place where we surrender to Him. And there's a there's an S word that I want to to say from the pulpit today that sometimes is not. Um, not taken very well in our society, and that's the word submit. <laughs> Y'all thought I was going to say something else. <laughs> the word submit, we don't like. Matter of fact, if we talk about that in the context of a marriage, man, it, 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 can, it can get rough in some places. But the Bible is very clear that we're submit to one another, we're submit to each other as a body of Christ, submission is a characteristic of the kingdom of heaven you know if we want to bring kingdom to earth you better learn how to serve and you better learn how to submit because that is a quality and an attribute of the kingdom of God it's not very much in our culture it's contrary to our culture everybody in our culture wants to be in charge matter of fact Oftentimes I, I hear people all the time they say, Man, I'm I'm really looking for my ministry. I I I wanna I want to, I wanna know what God wants me to be doing in my ministry. I you know, I really want listen, when you were saved, you were given an assignment. And that assignment was ministry. You can't avoid ministry. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus. And it it is about how you are acting, is what your heart is, and then how you carry out the heart of God. That's your ministry. What people most of the time are saying when they say, I want to find my ministry, this is what they're saying. I want to find out something that I can be in charge of. And that is not the kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is this. I want to find somebody I can serve. Because Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to be the servant. You need to come up under, find somebody to serve. You want to find your ministry? Serve somebody. Serve somebody. Find somebody that you can love on. Find somebody that you can help. Bring an atmosphere of the kingdom of God to wherever it is, wherever there's a need. Do you think in the kingdom that anybody's going to go? I don't want that job in heaven. That's that's a low life job. I don't know what your assignment is for me, but I but I sure hope it's better than so and so because you know I saw what they did on earth. You know we 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 there's not going to be a bad assignment in heaven. You, you with me? And we're going to be serving people. We're going to be serving people that we never thought we'd be serving. And so, if you want to bring a kingdom into your lives and an atmosphere of the kingdom, the first thing that we've got to do as a Christ follower is die to your own purposes and start serving, start submitting. Number two, God is building a house, and you're part of that house. In other words, he, he you became part of a family, and because you are part of that family, then you have a ministry, and you have responsibility to that family. In James chapter 3, verse 1, it says about the family of God and the church environment, don't many of you want to be teachers. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Don't. Don't be looking for a place of high authority in the church because there's a greater judgment. So so don't even be looking for that. Just just submit and surrender and serve. (laughs) It's much easier. Even though there's an accountability to how well you do that and what your heart is toward that. Here is the message. If we don't get anything else today, here's the message from the Lord. If we're going to be a church that emulates the kingdom of God, we've got to learn how to be servants. And then when I say that, I mean that we've got to be praying for each other. We've got to learn how to pray. We've got to increase and understand our prayer environment even more. We've got to begin to do that. But we've got to understand that the kingdom of heaven is a servant environment. And we've got to do that well, and we've got to understand that it's not about, you know, it's not about serving in a, uh, you know, just anywhere. It's about the heart in which you serve. And so let me just say it like this: There was one time that I in 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 Charleston that when a doctor friend of mine got a hold of the truth of what God really meant about servanthood and what it meant to serve, he was the leading heart surgeon in Charleston. And when he understood the heart of God, he immediately came to me and volunteered for the parking lot. So I had the leading heart surgeon in Charleston serving in the parking lot because he felt like that that was the place that the Lord had asked him to go so that his heart could be tuned in to what God wanted to teach him as somebody who was highly educated and well-respected in the community. He understood that through servanthood, God began to grow us up. So James chapter 3 says, don't, don't look for the high position. Go find somebody to serve. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 19. 22 this is out of the message he says this talking about you and me being a part of the building the house that God is building he says you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone God is building a home he's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he is building He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. There's a place that can be built if we'll... Adopt the attitude of servanthood and prayer. And then I can't get past the heart on this servanthood for us, because it's because it's in me. I guess the Lord's dealing with me, but I think He wants to deal with a lot of us. If you serve with the wrong heart, you might as well not serve. But you might as well not stick around here either, because we want to change the atmosphere. We want to become a place where it's evident that we're people who serve people. And we want that atmosphere to be so invasive in our personhood that no matter whether we leave this place, when we go to work, we serve. And we serve our bosses and those in authority over us with submission and a heart that would please God, not with gossip, not with backbiting, not with criticism, not with cynicism, but with a heart that would please God because we know we're on assignment, and how well your heart responds rightly to that assignment depends on whether you're going to get a reward for what you're having to endure. So if you're going to have to endure it, wouldn't you want to endure it with the right heart? So that at least when you get to heaven, you've got a good reward. The kind of reward that God wants to give you. And then when we get home, we grow in our servanthood to our wives and our husbands. Because there's such a culture of servanthood, that there is no doubt in our marriages that we're serving one another. There are so many people who need to hear this. If you don't have a heart for your husband or your wife that pleases God, it doesn't matter what you're doing in your marriage. It's your heart condition that matters most. And then it's your actions. And there's, a, there's an account for that. God said, hey, I've given you assignment to this woman. And you said, I do. I've given you an assignment to this man. And you said, I do. Now serve with a right heart. You know, when we talk about the kingdom, we want to see the deaf ears open. We want to see blind eyes open. We want to see the crippled walk, and we do. But I don't think we're going to see that until we learn how to be servants. I don't think we're going to do that until we learn how to be prayer warriors. People who believe God in prayer and who know how to serve one another and the community. So God is calling us to a place of servanthood that is going to bring the kingdom to earth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 from the Living New Living Translation says this, And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifice that please God. In Psalm 127, 1, it says this Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord builds your marriage, you're laboring in that marriage in vain, unless you have the right heart and the right attitude to serve. In Isaiah 66, 1, this is from. Uh, This is from the um, English Standard Version. The Lord says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house then could you build for me? This is a great question. What kind of place for me to live in? I myself created the whole earth. In other words, why do you think you could do this without me? Why do you think you could build some kind of spiritual house without me? I created the whole universe. I am pleased with those who humble themselves and repent, who fear me and obey. You know, when we talk about revival, Lord, revive us. Lord, bring us into revival. You know what the number one ingredient to revival is? Repentance is to find a group of people who are willing to repent from the ways that don't look like kingdom and align themselves with God and serve Him and have a heart for Him, like Him. And so that is what God's doing in a church. He he is building a house, and we're all part of that house. Now, as we serve God and as we understand our assignment, We need to understand that we'll be rewarded based on what our heart is toward that assignment. I've said that like ten times. You got it yet? And how well we perform our assignment. And there's a place in Acts chapter 6. Go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 6. I love this passage of Scripture. I love it more since I've been studying it all week. I'll read it from the ESV. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So they've got, they've got, you know, in our culture, I guess, old folks' homes for the Greeks. Hellenists are Greeks. So you've got non Jews, a different culture, that is crying out and said, Hey. We, we need some we need some love over here. <laughs> we're getting left out. We're getting left out of the daily distributions. In other words, nobody had need. Everybody had everything they needed and everything they, uh, as far as everyday living goes, they lived in what they call kibbutzes, where they were all pooling their money and making sure everybody had need. And there's this group of people who are saying, we're not getting our share. And so the apostles see that and they hear the complaint and they summoned the twelve and all the rest of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men a good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we can appoint for this duty. Now, when we see this, there's this tendency to think that these boys was too big for the britches. There's a tendency for us to look at it and say, well, they just didn't have time to do that. They were above it because they were teachers and they needed to, they needed to spend their time praying, fasting, and reading the Word. Now, that's true. It's true, but they're not looking down on this. And this is what I want to point out. This is kingdom. This is the way the kingdom works. That would be like me, Brock saying, hey, man, I need a, another team back here in the Area of Kids. Can you lead this team back here every other Sunday? And I can say, sure, Brock, I'll, I'll do that. I see, I see the need. There's a need back there. I'll, I'll do that. I can't do that because I've got to do this. It's not that like they're looking down on it. They had other responsibility. And if they added something to their schedules, y'all need to hear me, they couldn't do what they were assigned to do well. And so they're not giving up their assignment because there's another assignment by God. And so they say, here is the qualification. The qualifications is we need to find men that are, Have a good reputation. Wait a minute now. Are we just we're taking food to the old folks' home? We're taking food to the people in need. Yeah. We want people of good reputation, and we want people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We want people who have wisdom. Let's pick these people to go deliver food. I'm gonna tell you there was such a culture of servanthood that I bet there was a line of people who said, Let me, I'll do it. I'll do it. Can I serve? The Lord said me. I'll go. I don't think it was like No, we're not I don't think I'm gonna go. You know, I've already I've already paid my dues there. I've been in church for twenty years. I paid my dues there. I ain't going to do that. That's not kingdom. I hate to break it to you, but that attitude is not kingdom. It's just not. Kingdom attitude is wherever there's a need, and if I've got the ability to do it, I'm not going to drop what I'm doing. I've got other responsibilities, but man, if I've got if I can do it, I'll do it. Whatever you need. But look what happens. So He says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men with good reputation, filled with the Spirit, wisdom, and appoint them to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They were happy about it. And they chose Stephen. Do y'all know who Stephen is? Stephen's the martyr. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, y'all know who Philip is? And they picked some other dude who should change his name. And two other guys. And then there's two other more. And then there's Nicholas, somebody with a regular name. And they set these guys before the apostles. And they prayed over them for what? To take food to widows. And laid their hands on them. Listen. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Why? Because men who were anxious to serve, that were anointed by the Holy Spirit, God used in a powerful way to reach the community for Christ. Did the apostles reach them? No. Stephen and Philip and his horribly named friends. (laughs) They're the ones who reached the city. Did they reach them at the widows' houses? They reached them as they went. Now, if you'll look on down in 6, verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Why? Because he had the right heart. He had a servant's attitude. And he said, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I'll receive and I'll do. And he began to go. And the power of the Holy Spirit, because of his attitude, raised him up. That's what it means when it says in the Scripture that your gift will find a way for you. Your gift finds a way for you because the power of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And where you go, kingdom goes. Lord, help us. So what is your assignment? I have explicitly told the staff that nobody volunteers here more than 10 hours a week. But to do that effectively, we need all of you. You need to find somewhere that you can serve this body. I want you to serve your wives when you get home. I want you to serve your work environment when you get there. But the assignment is to be part of the body of Christ and to serve. And if we all serve... We can get it done, and we can do it well, and there'll be a changed environment around here. We've got a good environment. Now, I'm not knocking our environment. We're just going to get much better. How many think that we, that you as an individual, go ahead and raise your hand. Matter of fact, you could go ahead and stand up if you think that your heart is absolutely lined up with God's heart as far as servanthood goes. Go ahead and stand. Okay, good. That's all of us, so we're all good. We can all go from there, right? We can learn from there. But what we've got to understand and acknowledge that all the assignments have equal value and equal reward. And so here's the important thing I want you to hear about the assignment. When you get one from God, especially in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, if you're serving in the nursery every other week, which only those who love God with all their heart and love children as themselves do that but then there's others who serve about once every three months because we got so many babies we got to have them and so there's this big rotation and we want we want you to be involved in that rotation that's four times a year but the point i'm trying to make here is if you do that and you on that assignment and that assignment's by god and you do that well with the right heart That reward is as equal as when somebody's on the prayer team and somebody gets delivered from demonic influence or maybe healed from whatever sickness it is. There's no difference in reward. The reward is based on what your heart was and how well you carried out the assignment God gave you. Yes? Yes? So all assignments are equal in value and reward. Thus, Mark seven thirteen says, You are nullifying, making void and of no effect the authority of the Word of God through your tradition, which you in turn hand on, and many things of this kind you're doing. You, you can nullify your reward by not lining up with the Word of God. Now listen, life's short here. I want it to be great. I'm looking for a zero handicap this year as far as my golf swing. I'm looking for God to be great. I'm looking for the miraculous of God. <laughs> but I've got to understand that I've got an eternal reward that I gotta live with for eternity, and I want that to be greater. I want to be focused on my eternal reward. And so I've got to understand that how I respond to my assignment on earth is going to be an eternal reward. And I can nullify what he has desired for me based on my heart desert. Number five, you are matured through your assignments into the nature of God. Now, what I loved about my doctor, buddy, is he knew that he needed to be taught something about the kingdom of God. And so he humbled himself to the place where he was parking cars at a church as the leading heart surgeon in Charleston. And the he and the Lord came on him and he was filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit as he waved cars into the parking lot. I'm I'm not playing. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's kind of fun, but he really was full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit because he was being obedient to the assignment, and the presence of God was there. And it was teaching him and preparing him for whatever he had in his next assignment. And lastly, I want you to see with the example of Stephen that your gift will find, make its way for you in the body of Christ, in, in your workplace. You don't have to strive for the next position. If you'll serve your boss, if you'll submit to your boss, if you'll make sure that you do your work as unto the Lord, you will get a promotion. If you're not lazy, if you're not critical, If you don't think that your deodorant doesn't work. (laughs) Y'all get me. If you think more highly of yourself than you ought. And you go in all puffed up and proud and think your way is the right way and everybody else is ridiculous. You're probably not going to get promoted. But if you'll exhibit the kingdom of heaven in your workplace, there'll be people lining up to give you offers on how you can lead more people because they want a culture and an atmosphere in their workplace that kingdom brings. I can promise you there's no atmosphere in a workplace better than kingdom atmosphere. And our job is to serve them. And so you move on as you do your assignment well. You might not always be in a season of this assignment. But your heart better be right. And you better be serving in a kingdom way. And then God will use you somewhere else. He'll raise you up. He'll train you. Yes? I told Mike Dry this yesterday. I just saw him out of the corner of my eye. Max, a young man who has is being trained by the health service down in it's the Winston Salem area, isn't it? Winston, yeah, it's kinda close to there, right? And I told him yesterday, I said, Mike, you know, you there was a time where you thought you knew it. And it was, you know, it was difficult as a leader because you thought you knew and you, you really just didn't get it. But now, now, the amazement and the amazing transformation in a man who has a humble heart and a servant's heart and understands the need for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life to actually accomplish the task so he can think rightly has has come back and is being transformed into the man God's called him to and he's going to continue to elevate your gift as you go. You're just going to grow and grow and grow and grow into what God wants because he has subjected himself to the right way of thinking. Now, instead of going, well, I'm not sure he gets it all the way. He's a good kid. He's always been a great kid. He's a great kid, but he's coming. He's coming. He's close. He's almost got it. He's almost got the posture and the position before God. Now I can sit at his feet as a young 20, barely something year old, I can sit at his feet and I can learn from him because the power of the Holy Spirit flows through him and comes out of him. You go, wow. Wow, it's amazing. Now you can do that with people who don't quite get it yet, but the, the amazing thing is the subjection to the servanthood and the humility that he has gone before God and the change of heart that he's had toward those in authority above him has opened the way for God to make a way to move him somewhere that he couldn't go otherwise. He wants to do the same for you and me. He's got a future for you, plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He's got resources for you. They're stored up. They're stored up just for you as you line up and carry out his assignment. I stand for closing prayer. If you're an unbeliever in the room today, I want to encourage you. If you wouldn't say that you're a Christ follower, I want to encourage you. Receive Jesus. He's got incredible plans for you. We're going to have people up front that will be praying that you can receive him. You can receive him right where you sit. You don't need these people up here. You just need to make a decision that you're going to die to yourself and follow him. Follow his purposes. But they'll be willing to pray for you and pray through anything you need to pray through and ask God to forgive you and do all those things. But for everybody else in the room, we're part of the family of God. And there's there's just something about saying it out loud, especially in a church environment with people around you where you're committed, that solidifies your commitment in Christ. And so that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to ask you to proclaim this with me without being passive. That you boldly proclaim this. Say it after me. I am a child of God. I have come into the family of God. I have purpose. I have calling. My God is big enough To reveal reveal his purposes for me. me. My assignment assignment from God God is obtainable. obtainable. And so, right now, now. I recommit recommit. to die to myself, myself. Take take up my cross, die to my purposes and adopt His. So Father, help me not be confused. Help me have clarity. Show me what you want. I don't want to be busy. I want to be right. Right on to your plan. Right on to your purposes. So I commit to that. Knowing that I have an assignment. In this church, in my family, as a husband or wife, as a future husband or wife, yeah, as an employer or an employee, to submit and serve with a heart that represents kingdom. Convict me when I don't do it well. Empower me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. In Jesus' name.